Hey everyone, if you like the content that you're hearing, uh, please support the show. Uh, we have subscriptions up right now for a monthly dollar a month or up to whatever donation you feel uh, comfortable with. And also, you can hit my link R, which is in uh, the description of the show, uh, to send me donations for Venmo and Cash App. And all this goes into bringing in better quality and also better content so thank you have a good day all right hey everybody um so this is a last minute um chat that i felt that was needed um i have uh iggy with me um uh, what was your pronouns again uh he him he him okay he he is a a part of um what 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 do you do you uh Organized? I should ask that first. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, he has I'm with politics like mine, which is why I wanted to have a boy. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm with uh, FTP uh, DMV. Oh, awesome! And what what are they about? Uh, it's a like Maoist intermediate organization. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you for coming on, and uh, you know, in a short time, um, this was definitely uh, not expected. So um, I'm going to play a clip real quick, guys, from uh, Breakthrough News live stream today. Um, just a quick clip um, from the Answer Coalition to get like to, to show a little gist of what we're going to talk about um, today and um, put together our perspectives, which is so important. Thanks very much for having me. Mm-hmm. Well, the, well, the Answer Coalition is certainly a venerable name in the U.S. anti-war movement. Can people uh, hear that? You know, I'm curious your thoughts and, and what answer is. We're going to try that again. <laughs> I don't think people can hear that. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to play a clip real quick right here about a live stream about the anti-war movement that just happened. I mean, about a live stream about the Answer Coalition um, that was a part of a panel which I think is very important. Um, so here we go. And um, Iggy, I wanted to ask yeah. you, um, while, I, while I get this up, we might as well talk about your thoughts. What were your first initial thoughts this morning um, when you first uh, read about what just happened in Ukraine? Honestly, I, I was a little bit, like, a little bit surprised that... Um, that Russia went like I uh, went through with it. I kind of was more in the camp that they were going to be uh, just pushing for a political concession, but I guess they haven't gotten that. So I, I'm not like that surprised because this has been an ongoing thing in the media for quite some time. Right. Right. But, but and, still, uh, I, I, yep. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I, I was just saying, I, I wasn't, I, I was kind of taken aback. I, I think we got lulled into the idea that, uh, you know, conventional war in Europe is, is just not something that happened. So right. it, it is kind of shocking. Right, right. That is so, that is so true. Uh, when has there been full conflict like this? recently honestly in europe um was it i, I, I guess yugoslavia counts yeah yeah that was crazy that was crazy yeah 
Um, before we go any further in discussion, play the clip real quick. Of not only the nature of this conflict, but for people here in the United States, how they should be relating to what is maybe not troops on the battlefront, but clearly an escalation from President Biden vis a vis sanctions and, and other measures. Well, I would say to start with that, um, you know, it's very regrettable to see another war. Uh, and, you know, you know the consequences, there will be uh, bad consequences for people from the war, maybe on both sides. We have no idea. This is the very beginning. But we really have to address ourselves here in the United States. Too. Why is this happening? Why is this war happening? And those responsible for this war, uh, above all and fundamentally, are the U.S. and NATO. And they have pushed. And, you know, I wanted to make a connection between uh, your earlier speaker who was talking about Maidan and what happened then and the present, 2014 and 2022. 2014 uh, and, and in the years leading up to it, we had the Biden, uh, the Obama-Biden, uh, and in the first term, Hillary Clinton, Secretary, uh, Secretary of State. That was the regime. And that regime uh, continued on. It was there, Victoria Nuland, uh, Hillary Clinton's protege was there in the Maidan, you know, and, and really the organizer of the overthrow of the government and the replacement at that time. And then we see this whole crew is back. <laughs> the whole crew, uh, Jake Sullivan is the national security advisor and Kurt Campbell in charge of China and Victoria Nuland under Secretary of State. And then Biden, you know, who was, who's uh, had the portfolio of uh, uh, Ukraine and back in 2014 and 2015. So here's a group that came back in. They overreached, in, I believe, in 2014. They thought that overthrowing the government at that time would lead to the complete takeover and integrating uh, Ukraine into NATO uh, and uh, taking over Crimea and all that. And of course, the Russian government couldn't accept that. And it's not just the government of Putin that couldn't accept that. It, whether the head of the government, the leader of the government in Russia was named Lenin or Stalin or Khrushchev or Putin, none of them could accept that. None of them could accept uh, that idea of, of uh, what was going to happen. So they pushed back. But the U.S. hasn't given up. So now we have the, the same crew back in with the same obvious intentions of uh, bringing uh, of seal, kind of sealing the rest of the border uh, on the European side uh, with Russia, with NATO uh, uh, base and NATO member states, NATO bases, uh, and and uh, th they can't accept it. So there was a buildup to this, and you know the uh, the uh, one of your earlier speakers said that the West treats and the U.S. treats Russia with contempt. They treated treat them with total contempt. There was no, 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 no to everything that Russia proposed. And that led to, uh, you know, a, a situation where I believe that the government, the Russian government had to decide whether to capitulate or to do something else. I think we were surprised, and, and I have to say that, or surprised by the fact that war broke out in the way that it did. But if you look at the situation, and if you look at what brought this about, and also I just wanted to say there was a, a couple of the guests earlier said there are two imperialist countries. I think that's a wrong way to frame this. Uh, you know, it's not the U.S. that's being surrounded by Russia while 
NATO surrounds Russia. No, nothing like that is happening. You know, yeah, it's a capitalist country. We know that it's not a socialist country anymore, but it's the target. And uh, this is part of the what the real U.S. global strategy is, which is a strategy of global domination. Yeah, I think that's. All right. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, show that part real quick um, because I felt that um, out of everything in that whole panel, what they were talking about, that really kind of striked exactly what the conversation that we as socialists should be having um what what do you what do you think iggy so i i think um there's i, I think a lot of people on the entire political uh like spectrum uh, regardless of background are kind of not adjusting to the fact that we are moving out of the era of like us total us hegemony over the world system like uh the us has been in a geopolitical retreat for quite a while um and is doesn't have the ability to project power like it used to um and right. i think that's, yeah i think that's why we're seeing uh the us get so aggressive um like with the bush wars and lately with its incursions into Syria and things like Maidan and the failed coups in Bolivia and Venezuela. Um, but like, I think leftists should face facts that we are in an era of inter- imperial competition. So that's really what this is, is it's two, um, two imperial powers, one that's retreating and one that's advancing, fighting over uh a smaller country that has less resources, uh, at least mm. it has natural resources, but doesn't have the same military resources as either NATO or uh, uh, the uh, uh, Russian Federation. Yeah, I, I really think that uh, NATO, uh, this this whole expansion, and and there, there's also that pipeline that we we should talk about later, but the whole expansion of NATO and like you said, like their power is dwindling, especially imperial power for the U S especially is dwindling because they, they had all these high hopes um, of toppling all these governments. You know, they had their plan in the Pentagon before uh, I guess uh, Wesley Clark, who was a general in the past, he's the one that basically put it all down and what was their plan and stuff. But what, he never mentioned Ukraine in that speech. And I really do think that this would have never happened if Ukraine wasn't toppled by a neo-fascist government in 2014 that was uh, supported by us. I mean, neo-fascist coup, not government, but by a neo-fascist coup that was supported by us. Um, well, them, the, the ruling class. I don't want <laughs> to say us. The working class, because we didn't know what was going on. We didn't know that was going to happen. Um, yeah. Uh, Russia is an interesting... The, the name Putin, I see, it triggers a lot of people here. And I'm not pro-Putin, I'm not pro Putin, but when I talk about this foreign policy and stuff like that, people think that I'm pro-Putin. That, that makes no sense to me. <laughs> 
like have you dealt with that before too just talking about like just yeah policy <laughs> i i mean it's sort of like dealing with with stalin um any like uh, boogeyman if you have like an even-handed uh, analysis of them even if you're say like not pro stalin or not pro putin if you're even-handed at all next to the like uh completely unhinged propaganda that's coming out of the u.s uh bourgeois media like uh you look like a sycophant um just for being normal <laughs> uh, yeah yeah it's like the way they talk about putin is like oh finally we've got a a good villain <laughs> right i've read articles about how they were saying i think it was cnn they were saying that he's basically sitting in his room being isolated becoming a madman so they already starting the propaganda to try to ventilize ventilize him i definitely agree with that and even though i don't agree with putin my my issue is is just looking at the dumbass situation um i don't think he should have made that independent uh independent republic i think he should have uh did a different situation but this is a civil war that's going on, right? For the last eight years that has never got any media coverage. 14,000 people have died. He just spoke about that massacre in the video. And that's what Zelensky campaigned on when that was supposed to be the new hope from our understanding, right? In 2019, while they were having this neo-fascist coup when Zelensky got elected. Yeah. Z- Zelensky sort of like, um, he's a moderate and a lot of, uh, a lot of Western commentators have pointed out like, his identity as like a Jewish man as being like a way right. of downplaying the seriousness of like the Nazi element within mm-hmm. uh, the Ukrainian military. Um, but like the the main thing I, I think is like Zelensky is not as strong as like people think. I think uh, Western commentators or just commentators in general want to like kind of create like a simple story for how to understand uh, conflicts like this. So they put it down to personalities, but like the president of Ukraine is not as strong as you'd think. Cause like, uh, I, I feel like it would be within the, it's definitely within the interests of uh, Zelensky and the, the uh, Kiev government to uh, curtail the strength and, like ability to project independent power of things like national anarchist and uh, the right sec, like the right sector and uh, the Azov battalion, but they just haven't been able to control any of the neo-Nazi groups within that country. Um, I agree. I agree. That's what I've been seeing for the last few years reading about this. I agree. Well, continue. You had another thought. Yeah, well, I'm just, uh, and another thing that Western commentators have pointed out is like, oh, the, um, the, like, Svoboda uh, did not poll very well in the parliamentary elections that saw, like, Zelensky elected. Um, They only got, like, 3%. Uh, But I think that's missing the fact that uh, essentially these far-right militias, they already have arms, like, more advanced arms than even fascist militias in the United States have. So they have arms and they have uh, some of them control territory. So they already have the ability to project power directly. I don't think they really care about the elections as much as people think they do. Um, 
but I, I also think the uh, like there's a a habit on the other side as well, you know, of of trying to make this into something very simple, like like with uh, like you'll see a lot of like uh, Marxist Leninists uh, try to make out Putin to be honestly something he's not it's like the in, inversion of the uh the um the saturday morning cartoon villain that the u.s media is running with where like uh you they make out every ukrainian soldier to be a member of azov battalion when azov battalion uh has like a thousand troops and uh i thank god they've definitely got less now uh <laughs> So yeah, oh man, it it was brutal. Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing right now. I'm trying to find reports because I've heard reports that uh, uh, Azov's been hit pretty hard, but I can't I can't find where people are are getting that. That might just be one of those rumors that crops up, but I'm really hoping it's true. Yeah, um, and for people that uh, don't watch that that haven't uh, heard of the Azov Battalion, I have also covered about them and talked about it. They were basically the National Guard that was neo-Nazi. That's what we're talking about right now. Um, and what I what what I what I see exactly what you're saying with there's there's some people on the left that um that that has this perception of Putin, but Putin is a capitalist. And while this was going on, and I don't agree with what happened, but I understand how it happened. There was still an anti-war protest that happened in Moscow. Um, there's there's still anti-war. Uh, movements that are hugely large in the UK. Um, for the US, we got to regrow our, our anti-war movement. We really do. And 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 for and and you know, and I can just say that I don't agree with the tactics that that Russia is doing right now. But look at what happened today as well too in the US. The bomb in Somalia, and also Saudi is destroying the hell out of Yemen, and that's our tax dollars. That's our money. So. When are we going to stop being biased and acknowledge all this? Because this is part of the reason why we have the issue that we have now. This is a yes, this is a capitalist government, but they are so also imposing on this imperialist government that we have here, the United States, which is the main course is world domination, which is why they wanted that coup in Ukraine and that civil war um, that happened in Dubas in Dubas um, because Dubas didn't even really want anything to do with the uh, Nazi influence that was happening in the Western Ukraine and, and Kiev. Um, I, I'm just trying to think, like, how could this have been prevented, you know? And just think about the expansion of NATO that also called, caused this. Like, should NATO disband? You know what I mean? Um, do we? Is there even a use for NATO at this point? <laughs> Like other European countries don't really care. They just, you know, it's the US that really cares about NATO. NATO is definitely a relic at this point. So um, I actually grew up uh, next to like a NATO base uh, in Germany because uh, I'm actually a military brat. But uh, it, it's just interesting. Like you've seen, like it seemed like a, such a natural thing uh, when I was a kid and as I've grown up. And the world's changed and like I've changed. I'm, I'm just looking at it. It is definitely like a relic. It was created to counter the Soviet Union uh, and the Warsaw Pact 
right? Which, you know, like it, it doesn't exist anymore. Um, the Soviet so, Union is dead, liberals. Okay. Yeah, exactly. I just need y'all to know that the Soviet Union is gone. It has been yeah. around since 1991. That's it. That was a cool too, by the way. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely a coup. But you you see like the uh um like it, it, even internally the solidarity is fractured. Like um Germany is is basically saying they won't uh support military action uh in Ukraine at all. And that's um, a big deal. Yeah, but then you have Poland that really wants military action. Um, and even earlier with Syria, you had situations where uh, NATO militaries were actually fighting each other in northern Syria, which was really weird to watch if you were, you know, uh, sitting there refreshing the uh, Syria live map back in 2017. Oh, my God. That is hilarious. They're like, we hate each other now. Let's fight. Yeah, now the Turkey was fighting... <laughs> Uh, Turkey actually ac- uh, accidentally bombed some U.S. troops in northern Syria and Kamshili. Man, this is interesting. This is interesting. Um, so a, we covered talking about. Oh, go ahead. I was just saying. I, I I don't even think if like if NATO decides to go to war, I don't think NATO will actually go to war. I think it's going to break the uh, coalition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think so we, we covered that the reason why this happened is because one NATO is expanding. My fingers right here. NATO is expanding and that was an ask from Russia. I mean that was actually a uh a a democratic decision from all Russian officials actually, you know, that said we do not want NATO to expand. Um and then we also covered the fact that this happened, this whole sole purpose happened because this government in 2014 was put in power from a coup that was backed by Israel and the United States of America. Um, so what we're seeing right here in the civil war that happened that killed 14,000 people and that massacre that happened in, in Dobas and why this is now a republic we're seeing in, in East Ukraine, all this is going on because the United States continues to meddle in other countries' affairs. And Ukraine, like Iggy said, Ukraine has nothing. Ukraine is not as powerful. And they are set at this position. I feel bad for the President Zelensky. I really do. He probably didn't realize this was going to happen when he got elected in 2019. He probably thought that he was going to be able to do what he campaign for then he realized that oh, i should shut my mouth because there's some powers here on both sides that will kill me i think he's been in fearful this whole time and it's probably like a sigh of relief after all the carnage is gone and if he still lives i mean i don't he's not gonna be in power anymore right what so that's the next question what is next after this because we already saw the statement from putin and then i listened to um uh fault fault lines um, and they had a uh, specialist from the UN on there that talked about um, how Russia is intending to snuff out this military power. They're only attacking military uh, establishments. They snuffed out their air bases, um, not their air bases, their air support. So what 
is the end goal for Russia? What does Russia want? What do you think Russia wants, Iggy? So I, um, well, for one, I think looking at it from their point of view, uh, they've been stuck in that slow conflict, uh, basically a frozen conflict with uh, Ukraine for like uh, since 2014. So they definitely want the that conflict to be over and not have to uh, like uh, retreat um, on that front. So I think they what their goals are definitely complete demilitarization of Ukraine, um, just to kind of take the uh, them joining NATO off the table. And then I think they also are going to uh, fight for at least federalization of Ukraine. Because um, uh, a secret is they, they don't really want Donbass. Um, they want Nova Russia. So that includes um, uh, Odessa and uh, part of the breadbasket of Ukraine. Um, so like they, I, I uh, Odessa had some pretty big protests um, when the uh, Donetsk and Luhansk uh, declared their independence. Um, oh, really? I didn't see that. That's interesting. Yeah. The, so those ones got like the ones in Kharkov or Kharkiv uh, and uh, Odessa were actually uh, crushed pretty quickly. Um, and the the ones that ended up surviving and, and forming the separatist movements were in uh, Donetsk and Luhansk. Um, so it, I, I think how far that goes is going to depend on how successful they are militarily. Cause it seems like a mixed bag. Um, they're making really quick advances in the South, but they've uh, stalled off. They've stalled out rather uh, in the, uh, in the East on the line of contact. And, and they've been trying very hard to get into Kharkov and I have not seen them actually do that anywhere. Okay. So, th- so we're looking at uh, overnight thing. This looks like this is going to be going on a lot, uh, probably throughout the weekend. Um, uh, the, this dude named Scott Ritter that, that was talking on the broadcast for Fault Lines, he was saying that he thinks that they will be done with Ukraine in a month and seeing what that looks like. Um, like I said, I, I don't think this is the, I, I don't think this is the right way of doing things, right? You, you, you don't think you need it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, uh, when you look at modern war, um, I think it was Howard Zen said, "All modern war is a war on children." Um, like, it's uh, civilian casualties are always going to be high with conventional warfare, yeah. uh, and that—that's whether or not it's whether it's the U.S. or Russia, because a lot of people will like point at civilian casualties from Russia, but uh, the U.S. like everyone, U.S. pioneered, and now everyone uses the like sort of shock and awe doctrine where they use lots of artillery, lots of airstrikes. And that's what we're seeing um, in Ukraine. So that's going to cause, it's already caused a massive refugee crisis. Um, like there's uh, 10 mile long traffic jams at the border crossing into Pol- uh, Poland. Um, so the the human cost of this is something that's going to drastically affect uh, the way millions of people live their lives, not just in Ukraine, but like, for instance, there's uh, in my neighborhood, there's already a pretty large diaspora community from uh, Ukraine. So you're looking at the same sort of depopulation that you saw in Syria. 
Um, but I think on a more advanced timeline, like uh, it, it's looking like lots and lots and lots of people are fleeing. Actually, Zelensky just uh, banned the emigration of all fighting age males uh, so that they can be called into national service because they're uh, essentially trying to mobilize their entire population. So that's, wow. yeah, it's pretty nightmarish stuff. So yeah. Yeah, I think I think when we get into sort of the you know commentating from the West on on things like this, uh, when we lose track of the actual human realities of what the people themselves are facing, like I, I think it can lead to flawed analysis. Like we should always try to uh, be with the masses, not necessarily with uh, any particular state. I totally, I totally agree with you on that. Um, and this is something that I have been saying on Facebook and other social medias today as well, too, talking about the outcome of what's going to happen to the people that live there and also the outcome of what's going to happen to every single country whose economy is involved around that um, with gas, with grain, all these other resources. I mean, in, in, in California, I mean, people don't really understand how complex the oil system is. From my understanding, we was independent under Trump, but we're not anymore under Biden. And we need these type of oil reserves because everybody has gas. And it's going up. It's going to go up even more. You know, I mean, that whole that whole sign. Excuse me. my, my Somebody's cooking dinner. That's what y'all hear. Y'all hear chopping. Somebody's cooking dinner. And I, I like food. So, <laughs> But that whole side. Um, of that whole side of oil in the pipeline. For instance, Germany just uh, stopped one of, their, one of the pipelines that Russia was given and stuff like that. But my understanding is that what they they knew this was going to happen. They knew there was going to be sanctions, and they already made some preservatives no. to uh, function better in Russia because sanctions kill, and it's the working class people that suffers from sanctions, which I need. Americans especially to understand that because we don't see that here. We don't see what goes on the real carnage from sanctions. And 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 now that we have this whole twist of a new economic system that's about to come up to play for the global stage with gas and all these other resources, it's going to be pretty difficult for a lot of working class people, especially in Europe and especially here. Um so this is something that is definitely going to come. Definitely going to come. Um, if you have anything to add on that, uh, Iggy. Yeah, and I, I think that's probably why Germany has been so um, cautious with their public statements is uh, that's like Russia is how they heat their homes uh, with the, the natural gas pipelines. Um, but I think, you know, people like their World War Three memes. I don't know if it'll go that far, but we're already seeing, like, uh, uh, Zelensky's calling on uh, Turkey to close the Dardanelles and the Bosphorus, which is the uh, two straits that uh, connects the Mediterranean to the Black Sea. Um, so they want them to close it, uh, which would, like, I don't even know how uh, a global uh economy this complicated like would respond like we saw how our supply chain crisis is still going crazy 
um, after, uh, from the coronavirus uh, pandemic. I have no idea how na- naval warfare, like genuine near peer naval warfare will affect uh, global shipping. Like that's just something that, that I don't, I don't even think anybody's like gamed that out. Right, right. And that's going to be Russian military has begun a brutal assault. Let me uh, let me change. I hope I hope nobody heard that. Nobody hears Biden. I don't want to play Sleepy Joe right now. Did anybody hear that? No, I hope not. But (laughs) it was played in my ear. I was like, I hope nobody hears that. I was going to show a clip of Biden's speech real quick, but it's long, and he puts me to sleep, so I can't really like um, take him seriously. He's like in the end of his speech, he's saying that. They're basically going to wage like they're going to like hurt Russia and everybody's going to like fucking like pay for this. This is very violent rhetoric and working people in Russia do not deserve any of this brutality. The West keeps blackballing these citizens. Let's forget about Putin. Let's forget about Putin. Let's forget about these oligarchs that are in Russia. That is problematic. We acknowledge that. And and y'all don't get y'all don't y'all don't acknowledge that these these liberals still think that Russia is 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 communist for some reason, but did, did what's going to happen to these working people overseas? This is they're basically dehumanizing them with this speech that Biden's giving. They're basically making them all feel like they are like evil when they're just like working people like me and you. And the fact that he's so he, by the way, this is the same progressive president that voted for the Iraq war. The same progressive president that was so mad that his kids was going to go to a diversity school, he called it a jungle or some shit like that. So this guy is unfucking hinge. <laughs> unfucking hinge. They literally had to take his top off. So the problem is right now is like what are they going to do? Do they have bite? Are they able to do something about this? Like that's my question. And what is that going to look like? And don't and Russia has a lot of allies right now. I mean, the US foreign policy literally forced them to have a alliance with China, which Kushner, is that his name? The old dinosaur dude? Like he's still alive. He um always had a plan to uh keep them separate. Because he never wanted them to be together, which is honestly, if you're imperious, that's a good idea. But they're together now. So is the US prepared for what they're about to do? And can they actually deal with it? <laughs> so uh, I, I, I don't think so. And, and that's like one of the things where, like, uh, I'll get into uh, conflict with uh, China stands on because. Uh, I, I don't think the U.S. military is suicidal. Uh, uh, they definitely like to chess beat, but I think they're aware of the fact that uh, we're sort of in a situation, not nearly as bad as after Vietnam, but I think it's analogous. Uh, our uh, military has been an occupation police force for uh, 20 goddamn years, and I think that it's not it's not built to do near-peer um, conflict anymore. Uh, so I, I don't think it has the ability to wage war on a, uh, on a modern industrial, uh, military power. Um, like if you, like, if you look at 
things like like just the state of the U.S. Navy, like uh, if you, our aircraft carriers are like the big force projection and the big propaganda tool, right? Um, it's how we do our gunboat diplomacy, but a lot of them aren't fully, uh, their like air fleets are in disrepair. Um, Cause they're uh, always using them. Yeah. And they're, they're just not being maintained. Um, uh, the U S military budget is bloated, but it's bloated with uh, fraud and, and graft. It's, it's, yeah. uh, it, like, I honestly think the fact that so much money is being dumped into it means that it's going to be less effective because it's just, you know, our defense contractors like Halliburton and Boeing and Raytheon, just, uh, they, they see it as, as a opportunity just to farm money. So you'll, you'll see these like, uh, boon, like, uh, boondoggle projects, like the, the new jet fighter jet that they spend God knows how much money on it. It still doesn't really work. Um, whereas Russia mm-hmm. has been uh, like, they're not as successful with their blitzkrieg invasion as I think they wanted to be, but like they've still been consistently uh, uh, at the forefront of like what modern uh, doctrine looks like. Whereas the U S has been, like I said, they've been occupying uh, other countries for so long that I don't think they remember how to actually fight um, a conventional war. Um, right. Do you remember uh, Bin Laden? Great example. Uh, I'm pretty sure everybody remembers Bin Laden. Um, bin Laden was trained by the CIA to learn how to topple huge to fight basically huge powerful governments at that time was the USSR why do you think we lost the war in the Middle East because we trained those people how to fight big powerful governments that's why that took on for so long we lost that war we started shit that we should never freaking started and just like Iggy is saying we got people all over the world this is continuing this imperialist shit. That's a lot of resources. Are they going to be able to accumulate all that together to fight forces like Russia and China? That's that's how that's the reality check right there. Like, is that what you're basically saying, Iggy? Like, I want to like make it an example out of it. <laughs> yeah, I think I think like uh Osama bin Laden said he wanted to get the US. Like, like in one of his speeches, he said he wanted to get the U.S. caught in a uh, protracted conflict with uh, with it's a place like in Afghanistan where their resources would be, would be sapped and their uh, international prestige would be tarnished. And that's exactly what happened. Um, so when uh, exactly according to plan, and as you pointed out, like that they were trained on how to do that. Um, we followed the scripts for them pretty perfectly. So like... Um, I don't think that the U.S. can actually bring its forces to bear. And I think that's why you see um, rising imperial powers uh, flexing their muscles now um, and why you're seeing, like, um, uh, like large-scale con- uh, conventional warfare returning to Europe uh, is, is just because, like, everyone's waking up to the reality that uh, the U.S. is not the metro like the world's metropole anymore 
because um, it, it just can't project power like it used to. Right, and um, I don't want to take up more of your time, so let's let's get back. Let's let try to wrap this up soon. So thank you so much for coming on here, Iggy. Uh, I want to get to the comment. There's two comments that I want to talk about real quick. I see in the comment section, but before we get to the comment section, um, I want to say that um, this is literally a different. I want Americans to hear this. Everybody that knows Americans, I'm American. You're American. Give this to Americans so they can hear this. So they can hear this very clearly. This is not a game that's being played right here. I don't think the U.S. took Putin seriously. I don't think the U.S. ever took Russia seriously. They've been saying this for years. I just want y'all to know this. So right now, like, we have toppled small governments. We have never fought huge world powers. And Russia's a world power, and China's a world power. Iran's big, too. So we're, we're right now trying to start things with big dogs at this point. And that is going to blow this whole thing they got going on out of proportion. Um, Iggy was talking about the 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 um the budget that is just nobody even knows how big that budget is. Majority of that goes to payrolls, to paying off, to paying off the contractors, to paying off the mercenaries that they send when when they bring back their troops. That's where that money goes to. So when somebody says, "Well, we spend the most money in the world." There's no way in hell they can stop us. You got to look at where these checks go to. You got to see who is getting these checks. Yeah, we dominate the world. I keep saying we. It's the ruling class. (laughs) (laughs) The ruling class dominates the world, yes. But it's getting down to the wire here. And I don't know what's going to happen. But what my fear is for working class people here and abroad how we're going to be affected by this. I just done a, a 13 hour shift before I came here. I sacrificed my time to be here because this is so important. What's happening is very important. And I want to use my little ass podcast and my little ass platform that only get a few hundred views a, a month, not a month, like a week. So people can hear, people can hear exactly what's going on you're getting an alternative perspective yes we are straight up socialists here all right my homies a maoist i'm a leninist we are straight up socialists here and we are anti-war and we condemn all violence and we stand for class war because that's the only war (laughs) (laughs) but um let's get right to the conversation um we have two comments from uh jubilee Jubilee was was Russia correct to combat NATO influence in Ukraine? Um, I don't like how it went down, but I don't blame them. That's that's just my answer. We already covered this, but go ahead. Yeah, I think um, it's really the only option they had um, from a geopolitical standpoint um, if they want to maintain them their status as a world power. Um, like uh, like Putin pointed out that. Uh, Ukraine still has an official policy of military reconquest of uh, the Crimea, uh, which if they join NATO, that would be World War III, like automatically, though. Again, I don't think Article 13, which is the mutual defense part of the treaty, is actually as ironclad as uh, people think it is. Um, 
for certain countries, it does not apply to Turkey anymore. So I don't know that it would apply to Ukraine in that situation. But yeah, I I mean, it it makes sense. Uh, I understand why they did it. And I think uh, if we're looking back on it, it shouldn't have surprised us as much as it did, because I think that at least from their perspective, it was their only option. Yeah. And I want to remind people that they tried so hard to do this in a peaceful resolution. Every every Russian official in in the UN, they repeated themselves because people kept saying, "Oh, they're going to invade. They're going to invade." They kept repeating themselves. And there's a UN um, there's a UN clip that I want to search for that happened two weeks ago. The U.S. actually invited China to uh, talk about this, and China said, "This is your fault. You caused this situation. Do not." Do not ask us. <laughs> so, so it's important to understand that this is this NATO is because of the U.S. NATO NATO expanding is because of the U.S. Why is why is why is Colombia part of NATO? Colombia is nowhere near Europe. Like that makes no sense to me. Um, we have another uh, comment right here, which I didn't even know about this. So Julie also commented again and said. One of the first laws Ukraine enacted post-2014 was barring communist parties from parliament. parliament. Um, that's not cool. <laughs> it's not cool. <laughs> yeah, the, the um, post-Maidan uh, government, is, is, especially in the beginning, is virulently anti-communist. Um, and I think that's why it's been so easy to even with... Zelensky and the moderates in power to paint them all as neo-Nazis because they're definitely way more comfortable with neo-Nazis than they are with us. Um, That's scary. Yeah. You know, just to be comfortable. Um, But we know Zelensky Zelensky wasn't a Nazi. Zelensky was a comedian that drunk a glass of water, but he didn't realize that shit was poison. That's basically what happened to Zelensky. (laughs) Yeah, I've heard um, some of our comrades in, uh, who are in Ukraine have talked about uh, Zelensky being uh, too afraid of the neo-Nazis to like push for an actual political settlement uh, of the conflicts, which uh, is, would be the implementation of the Minsk agreement, uh, allowing for autonomy in eastern Ukraine. Right. Right. Well, Iggy, I want to thank you so much for taking the time out. Um, we had other guests, guys, but um, like I said, I put this together very shortly, so they weren't able to make the time. Um, so next time, um, let's have a more of a brawler discussion with more socialists on the panel, um, and we, you know, we can add more progressives and and. and um, left-leaning Democrats and all that stuff like that. That would be cool. Um, thank you so much, Jubilee, for commenting. Um, I'm, I'm interviewing a, a Green Party uh, senator. Well, I don't think he's a senator yet, but he's running for Senate in California, so check. So look out for that interview. Um, and also, I'm interviewing another uh, uh, political analyst uh, who has a podcast, uh, um, he, Tommy Nation, to- Tommy Podcast. Uh, I, I forgot what it's called, but look out for that, too. Um, and Iggy, you're definitely a friend of the show. Definitely, whenever, um, if you have any time in the future, you're definitely welcome just to even talk about what's current events and stuff like that. Uh, thank you so much for your time. 
Um, Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. Um, have a very great day. Um, well, great night. Um, well, it's kind of sad under these circumstances. And we're probably not going to be able to sleep. Like we, we, we far left people. We think about world shit all the damn time. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's hard to break away sometimes. <laughs> but get some sleep, get some rest, um, and. I, I, I thank you so much for coming on and uh, have a good day. Have a good day, everyone. Yeah, have a good one. Thanks. And we are. Blank period, yeah. I'm a black, brown, and indigenous. Gotta holla if you really feeling this. Gotta holla if you really real enough. Other rappers is delirious. Yeah, it's really that serious. Better holla if you really feeling me. I gotta keep it a hundred, ayy If you don't like it, then fuck it, ayy We gonna win in the end, yeah We gonna live in abundance Ooh, I gotta keep it a hundred, ayy If you don't like it, then fuck it, ayy We gonna win in the end, yeah We gonna, we gonna, we gonna I gotta keep it a hundred We gotta stop all the stunting You know we coming from nothing Yo, you talking about money, you bluffing We gotta do something different We gotta change how we living we gotta do better for women, we gotta do better for children We gotta listen to victims, whether Jewish and Muslim or Christian It doesn't matter your religion, you gotta stand against the system Or else you're just another villain, how you just sitting there chilling Oh, I want to say before I close out, we gotta stop all of our conflict between each other as communists and, and socialists, okay? Maoists uh Trotsky's and Leninists, everybody. We gotta find a common ground. That's all I gotta say about that. And I'm glad that you saw a Maoist and a Lenin in the Leninist have a little talk about what's going on right now. That was beautiful. <laughs>